Yes, people, we are back. It is part two of our day nine coverage. So just one more film for you, people. One more film. But sprinkling on a little something else as well, because we have got an interview with the director. So, um, hey, it's a good one, people. And it's not one of them little dibby interviews either. This has heft to it. So, uh, yeah, people, let's... Right, 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 people, let's get this part two popping off with... Um, I'm going to start with the review. So let's take a look at... Okay, people, we are back. Yes, 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 yes. And um, hey, you will have just of um maybe you've seen this, right? Because it it debuted at the festival today at uh, I think it was quarter past six at the Curzon. Um lovely cinema. I do like the Curzon, it is nice. Uh but I'm talking about Shepherd, right? It is the new film from writer and director Russell Owen. Now, Russell, he appeared at the screening I went to because, you know, I have seen this long before this date. But uh, I was hoping to have a word with him. Russell just, he said he's going to stick around. Homie just scuttled off somewhere. I don't know where he went. But he should have stayed around because I think he would have heard a lot of good things about his movie. So, yeah, the movie is called Shepherd. And as mentioned, Russell, um, he wrote and directed the piece. It's directed by Kareem Prince. Oh, dear. Chish Baragu. I butchered that. I apologize, Kareem. Uh, and Aslam Perez. The cinematography is handled by Richard uh, Stobbard. The editing is Chris Fulton and Jim Page. Music is Callum Dundelson. Uh, now, cast-wise, it's a small cast. Oh, but this cast. They do a thing, people. So Tom Hughes plays our pivotal character, Eric Black. His mother, uh, Glynis Black, she's played by Greta Sachi, Sashi. And his wife, Rachel, is played by Gia Weez. Um, We also have Fisher who is a captain, a, a boat captain. She is played by Katie Dickey. And god damn, Katie Dickey goes, it's one of them ones, people. Remember Charlie's Ferron in Monster? And everyone knows Charlie's Ferron, she's an attractive young lady. But in Monster, she made herself look butters. And um, oh, I love that shit. Right, it's like um, when, uh, was it Eric Banner? I want to say Eric Banner, but I think I might be wrong. 
It might be the dude that did Batman. Who the fuck was Batman? I'm Batman. Um, that motherfucker, right? Who then went on that ridiculous diet for that film, which the name now escapes. God damn it, the name escapes me. But uh, it was something like the the mentalist or something like that, the torturist, the the fundalist, something list. And he starved himself, and he was like mad thin, right? That I mean, that is real. Ah, I love that style of acting, you know, because sometimes you watch stuff and people are just themselves, you know, like Tom Cruise nowadays, back in the day when he first started, he didn't. But nowadays, he's just kind of Tom Cruise in everything. Will Smith, the same, you know, but when a character really submerges themselves into a role and will fully transform, that's the shit. And Katie Dickey, Katie Dickey really transforms into Fisher here, people. Trust me. Uh, so we also have a D.I., um, D.I. Carol Thomas, who is played by Jamie Marie Leary. So, uh, yeah, that's our cast. Um, now, I do believe this is going to be hitting... Actually, we'll come back to that. Oh, it's from uh, Darkland. Darkland, um, they're distributing it. Um, and I think Parkland also helped put this together. But the gist of the story, running from grief after the mysterious death of his wife, Eric Black takes a job as a shepherd. Trapped alone on a majestic, weather-beaten island with an ominous secret. One man's spiraling madness meets a vengeful supernatural force. What starts as the perfect windswept escape becomes a race to save his sanity and his life. I don't ever think it was a perfect windswept escape. <laughs> I don't think it was ever that, people. Because when you see this island, jeez. I mean, it's just a little barren. I guess if, you, if you're a mad motherfucking countryside person, you might dig it. But boy, I just saw that and was just like, nah, nah, not me. Not me. It's one of those ones you'd be like, nah, not today, son. Not, not today. <laughs> you know what I mean? But uh, yeah. So we open. Whew, we open and, um, you know, we're kind of hearing like church kind of music. Is that right? Hold on. Let me, I, I'm going to have to, uh, no, we get a quote, that's it, there's a quote, a quote, and um, yeah, it's a black screen, there's a quote and all of this, there's one thing that bu really bugged me about the film, right, there is a lot of, uh, I guess, you, I, I'm not, I don't know, I'm going to call them stock cards, right, they might be something else, like chapter cards, okay, so there'd be like, boom, come up on the screen, tiny words. I think it's like breaking up the film into kind of acts, as it were. Couldn't see them. Tiny ass. I'm just like, why do they always have to be tiny? 
out the, the cinema screen's huge. We've got a big cinema screen. Why the fuck do they always make it so tiny? It's right in the middle of the motherfucking to make it bigger. Just make it the full fucking stretch of the screen. I mean, I still won't see it. I still won't see it, but you know, come on, man. Uh, why are we playing like this? It's some silly ass shit. I don't know. That's why there's another thing I'd like to talk to Russell about. But anyway, anyway, as I say, that's the that's the one kind of mad gripe I have about it. Everything else, everything else was golden. Everything else was golden. So we start off with this quote. I don't know what how impactful this quote was because I couldn't see it. But uh, we then go and we're, we're kind of hearing uh, church music, right? Church music. And we've seen people throwing stuff into a box. But as it kind of pulls out, the, the camera pans out, we then realize, oh, it's a coffin. Okay. Hmm. I don't think this is shits and giggles. Right, and so yeah, it's a funeral. We're seeing a funeral, and um, yeah, kind of bleak, right? So we we then kind of um, we we move out of the the church, and we see people outside, and it's outside. It's not many people there. You're thinking, mm, person wasn't that popular, uh, but we also then see an image of someone drowning someone submerged in the water right so we we get all of this all of a sudden it seems like this guy who we then realize is eric it's like he hears something and he turns around and he sees like something standing far 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 off this ominous figure right and it's just like whoo it's getting crazy. So, like, there's all of this, right? But we realize, oh, it's a dream. It's a dream, you know? Um, but he's in a house and, you know, there's, like, an alarm going, a phone going. He's not really picking anything up. And just from this scene, you get this overwhelming sense of loneliness, of isolation, you know? So, He's looking at a newspaper, and that's where he must see this advert for this job. But it's like the ad seems to jump out at him, you know. And one big thing that we get, there's um, the, the sound, right? The sound, the, the music that is playing, it's really kind of ramping up in this scene. It's really ramping up in this scene. And early on, Right, so we had music going through the funeral kind of situation, the dream, and then we get this and people, right? So, you know, I, I I think with stuff like this, it's pretty clear that you have your cast, right? And Tom Cuse, it's probably fair to say he is the lead in this, but I feel that. It's not just Tom or Gia or, you know, Kate or Greta or Jamie, you know, even if she's in it at the end, but it's not just them because really it, the, the music, the sound department, 
you know, and the cinematography play a huge, huge role in this piece, right? If Joe's best supporting actor, you would give it to the fucking composer, right? For real, because, oh, the way it just ramps up these scenes, it is crazy. So it really builds this tension and it does it in a way that it's not just scary scene, scary scene, scary scene, time to be happy. It's not that bullshit. No, 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 no. It's a real deft hand here. It really is. And I, 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 man, one thing that really jumped out at me, right, is just from the start, you notice that there is a, a real economy when it comes to what we're seeing. It feels like there is no, there's, you know, there's no flap on this film, right? It's a lean motherfucker. I'm not talking about the length of the film, people. I'm just talking about the economy of shots, right? Everything that is used tells a story, adds to the story, you know, lets us know something. Now, it's one of them films where we don't necessarily know a whole heap of information. And even at the end, I don't know if we have the full truth of the matter. But everything that we're seeing, it, it gives us something. You know, it tells us something about these characters, something about the environment, right? Something about, you know, the, the presence. You know what I mean? That's, that's, what, that's what we get. And, and so you're just like, damn. Russell Owens is killing it. You know, I have seen, you know, a lot of big-time, well-renowned directors who haven't done as great a job. Now, it's not to say, listen, I'm not saying people are rubbish, and blah, 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 but what I'm saying is it's just the way this is all cut. And I guess when you're, you know, you wrote, you directed it, you kind of have that hand. You're not working for a large studio. You can really dictate what people are going to see. And that's what we get. There's there was this moment when um, Eric's playing with a lighter, and just that motion, right? The the flick, flick, flick to turn it on, right? That sound is just reverberating. And then when it ignites, the you know it's just there, and it's really just in this quiet moment. Right, it, it, it really just, boom, really sets that scene. And it kind of gives you something on the mindset of Eric. And, and it's just like, yo, okay, damn. But yeah, Eric goes to this island, you know, to be the shepherd. Straight away, you know something's up. Like, see, just on the fucking journey across, I'd have been like, you know what? Yeah, I ain't getting off, man. You need to take me back because this motherfucking Fisher, she drew. It's, it's not like she's, you know. Yeah, you're an asshole. 
people are coming for you. Like, like she doesn't say anything, but I think there's certain there's a certain cadence, right, that she uses, and there's a couple of questions. And when she's just like, "Oh, I see this in you, Tom," Eric, even, um, yeah, it's just a bit like, you know what? Yeah, not today, <laughs> not today, lady. <laughs> I, don't, I don't trust your ass to leave me because there's no one else on this fucking island. Right. And also, right, if I'm taking a job like this, you know, you're isolated on an island, and we've seen those adverts, especially of late. You know, over the last few years, I think they, they really kind of, you know, you'd be like, oh, dream job, living on a tropical island, being a caretaker, da da da. And it's just like, yeah, it's all well and good, but there's nothing there, right? It's not like there's a cinema you can go to, a comedy club, um, you know, and a, a jazz bar. Like, no, it's just you. But you kind of think, okay, listen, just make sure, as long as my amenities are killer, yeah, I'm cool. I'm cool, right? So a nice bed, you know, a, a computer I can use, just... You know, a book, like a, you know, bookcase. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, granted, it's just going to be audio books. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, just everything there. Now, he gets, and it is, yeah, just like, oh, yeah, so you're going to be, you know, shepherding and um, doing shit up. Like, fixing walls, um, doing up the cottage and maybe the lighthouse. And... You think, oh, so what, just a few little, you know, maybe a paint job, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. <laughs> this place is such a wreck. It is such a wreck. I'd be like, you motherfucking piss takers. Like, I want to know how much they're paying him because it's a to dump. It's a dump. But I guess, I guess if it was like five star, you know, a la harsh. It might take away from the whole ominous nature of the piece. <laughs> you know what I mean? Having it in the state, it is. It does help Russell do his thing here, and he plays with it. There's a scene where um, old Eric needs to get upstairs. Now he's kind of um, height adjacent. What do you call it when someone doesn't like heights? They're a heightist. Ah, oh, there's a word, right? When you're when you're scared of heights, I feel there's a word. I don't know the word, but people just imagine insert that word here, right? So Eric, he's a because yeah, so he's going to go up the stairs, and yeah, he's scared, man. He's always holding on, and they. Elongate the scene, you know. What I mean? So it looks like these stairs are a whole lot longer than what they are, and just that that imagery is so good. It is so good, right? We get these dream sequences, which are they dream sequences? What the fuck is going on here? You know, what I mean, but sometimes it's like, is that a dream? But if it's a dream, how has he still got? What is happening? All right, so there's all this going on. And yeah, it, it, it's the camera work. 
right? The cinematography, it's so good, so good. And everything just really comes together, right? Sometimes there's elements of films that are great, but they don't always coincide with the other parts, right? There's sometimes a little disconnect. With Shepard, everything really fits so well. It fits so well. And you're just, you're blown away. I mean, I jumped. I definitely jumped a good few times, right? It, it's just, it's creepy, man. It really is. So it just really just uh, makes you just feel uncomfortable, right? Like, I think I shivered at one point just because, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, you feel creepy, man. You feel creepy. So, um, yeah, <laughs> it was a good job. And, boy, everyone really kills it with their performances. They really do. You know, like, Eric's mum is just... Because the thing... There's a whole heap of stuff that happens. And it's weird, right? Because... We are getting, it's, it's like we're hearing three different versions of a part of this story. A part of the story that happens before the film we actually watch, right? And you never quite know what is real. Because although there's stuff that is said that is then denied, there's just like, don't say that about, you know what I mean? Then there's other moments which make you think, hmm, but is that true though? Right? And then the event he's kind of running from. One person makes it sound really bad. His account is, yeah, you do kind of feel it's like it's hard to blame him, right? Because if if you have this thing. You would just like it's a bit like yeah you're you're a bit of an ass, but it, I, I it didn't look like the intention was to you feel me, but then you hear something else and you're like oh but was that true right there, everything that you see there's always a little doubt in it right so you're always kind of second guessing some of these moments, some of these occurrences, right, which really makes it good. And it's done in a way where you're doing it, but it's not like, ah, come on. It's so unrealistic and it's so preposterous. You know what I mean? It, it, it's really done with a deft touch, which is great. It is great. And the end, I don't even fucking know. I don't know. I mean, you you have to kind of make your own judgment, people, which is kind of interesting. It's kind of good. I like that, right? Because I don't I don't even know if a definitive ending would have worked. So, hey, people, Shepherd, it's one to watch. Now, as mentioned, right? So, uh, it, it's showing tonight today so it's all that's already gone but 
Friday, you know, the 15th of October, if you were by the BFI South Bank at quarter to three, that's 2.45, if you don't know your numbers, you might be able to catch it. Now, I would go on, if this sounds like it's your thing, I'll go online right now and book that ticket because shit does seem to, if it's not already sold out, hey, as soon as word of mouth hits on something, it's going to sell out again. So, yes, go do that. But if you can't get to see the Friday showing of Shepherd, I do believe it will be coming to everyone on the, um, oh, where's the date? Where's the date? The 5th of November. I feel that's the, the, the general release as they, uh, as they say it. So, um, yeah, people, boy, 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 Russell Owens and crew, you really did your thing, people. Be proud, man, because Shepherd, Shepherd ain't no sheep, son. Shepherd ain't no sheep. Poor Baxter. Right, 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 people. So, 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 so. Now we've got something a little bit special. You know what I mean? We sit down with the director and writer of Shepherd, the great. Russell Owens, people. Hey, this is a great one. So, people, buckle up and let's go. Okay, people, I am here with Russell Owens, the uh, director of Shepherd. Russell, I really appreciate you giving me your time. Thank you very much. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, no worries, man. So, I believe Shepherd is your second feature film. Is that correct? Yeah, um, but I always, I've been going around saying it's <laughs> like it's my first because the first one I made, and I come off a load of commercials and uh, um, and, and things like that. The first one I made, I, I didn't write the script, um, and we, I, I got this script, and I had about three and a half, four weeks before we had to shoot something with no cast, no location. And we really fired into it. it. made something, I mean, you know, we were all quite proud of it. It was a very beautiful film, but it just didn't reflect who I was. It didn't have my yes. voice. Um, so, and Shepard, I'd written, I wrote it when I was at uni. So, you know, I, I got my first draft date, it was 21. And obviously it's changed quite a bit um, it, it, since then. Um, but it, it, it feels like my first film um, still because, you know, even when I watched it on screen, I mean, I've written quite a lot of stuff, obviously, in the hope that I'd be able to make more mm. in the future. Um, and, and you can see how, how I've changed um, even since writing that first draft and the structure. But um, it, 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 was, it was lovely because it was something I was extremely proud of um, uh, from, from day one. And, and um, it, it sets the tone for what I want to do moving forward. Oh damn! Right, it, it, it sets a tone for what's co what's coming next. I don't know, man. I don't know because that was a creepy ass film. 
I really... <laughs> Look at my nerves. I'm gonna be handling anything else. <laughs> well, it's it's nerve wracking for me because um, you guys are the first people ever to see it. I mean, apart from sales agents and um, distributors and, and 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 people who've worked on the film, um, I've had absolutely no outside opinion or or, or anything. I've I've had a couple of people that've seen a link and have done a write up. Uh, and they were all really, really glowing, which was great. But, you know, sometimes you don't know because, you know, films are like chalk and cheese. You've no idea. Some people just don't like eating cheese. <laughs> um, so I'm like, it's a complete panic. Some people enjoy eating chalk. You know I mean? Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Good for digestion, apparently. <laughs> um, but, yeah. Um, oh, good. Well, I'm glad you... Yeah, <laughs> that was the intention to be free. Yeah, I, I think the sentiment in the room was everyone seemed to really enjoy it. Right? Yeah. I, I didn't hear... There's... I've been in bad rooms, right? I've been. Uh, I, so have I, and I'm, that's why I didn't want to be in that room. <laughs> I hey, you should have stayed, man. You should have had that confidence because, yeah, there were no groans. There were no, ugh, can't oh, believe yeah, it or anything like that. Everyone seemed very wrapped in what was going on. Oh, well, that's, that's, that's good. That's positive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, like, how honest are our sales agents? Like when, you know, they're the ones that may um, get to critique a film because yeah. I say how honest, because not to say sales agents are liars, but they're looking at things in a completely different lens, I feel, sometimes than a general person who's going to the cinema for enjoyment. They're looking at, oh, can we monetize that? And yeah. where, what markets will this sell in? Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. I've I uh, this year um, I've probably had I've I've worked um, on and off in um, in film production for since you know for about sixteen seventeen years now, and uh, with other people's films yeah. I mean, at film festival and markets, and you know some of the things that sales agents look for. You know, has it got X, Y, and Z? As it kind of ticks up several boxes. Um, and they always try and condense what a film is onto a piece of paper that they can sort of do percentages and, and all sorts of things. You get some which are extremely glowing and, and, and you're not sure whether you trust them or not. And there are some which are absolutely, I mean, I, I, even with, I mean, it's bizarre. With Shepard, um, we had to try and find a sales agent and there was so much interest. I'd never had that before. Um, and we whittled it down to like 10 which was amazing you know i, I couldn't even get 10 in the past even look at it. um based on a trailer and things like that we'd sent out and um and nine of them really really fought for it some were a little bit more casual uh you know saying we'll go bundle it in with another couple of horrors that we've got and we'll just sort of, you know do a package sell to yeah. a streamer or something Others really listened to what I intended for the film. I mean, I did make it for a big, for the big screen. I mean, you know, that's why we went up to the island. I mean, if I wanted it to just maybe be a TV thing, it would have been a different structure. I might have, you know, filmed somewhere much easier, <laughs> which has got some <laughs> nice hills of it. See, and, mm. but, but we really pushed the boundaries on it because I did have always in mind that two, three, nine aspect ratio on a big cinema scope um, screen because my strength um 
as a creative is 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 trying to build atmosphere and it, there's no better place to do that than in a cinema because once you've got a captive audience that aren't playing on their phones or they've got the kettle on in the background or anything like that um you can then go to town on on, on what you want to do and some of the sales agents were very much they they didn't sort of understand that they were looking at where you know it could go uh, financially and to streamers parkland who we went with in the end were very much supportive of, of what i want to do and they've, they've achieved that theatrical release and the, and um all the sales that they're doing abroad is based on theatrical which is a difficult time to be doing it anyway but there was one there was one guy who um absolutely and bearing in mind they saw a rough cut beginning no special effects anything like that Right. And um, he was really, really cutting. <laughs> I mean, I won't go into detail what he said, but I, I yeah, I, I deflated very quickly after that call. But I mean, nine out of um, ten who who had the opposite reaction that that, and that that was good at least. But yeah, I mean, they it, it's it's a funny one. Parkland have actually been quite straight down the line, and they've been really, really good. And I think that's quite unique for a sales agent. Other sales agents are quite honest in the fact that you know, this is how they see something, they'll bundle it in. And if they're wrong, you only find out, you know, further down the line. Um, yeah, yeah. But if you're wrong, you know, you'll find out um, pretty quickly too. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's um, yeah, it, I've, I've realised they're all very, very different. Um, but uh, it, that was, that was a, a fun process at the beginning of the year, um, uh, hearing people's opinions as well. They were the first people to to see it outside of myself and the editor and uh Gwyn, my colorist so uh, so yeah that was bizarre but it was good experience it must be weird though showing people your your film that you've worked on but then still not the complete finished version of it mm. so you're having to be like right i'm, I'm this yeah. is the this is a scaffolding of but remember, we haven't done this and we haven't done it. So you have to visualize that. You're, you have to kind of sell that to someone and hope that when they, you know, critique it, when they feed back to you, yeah, they are imagining those things. And they're not just, you know, talking about it as what they're seeing at that moment in time. Exactly. It, it, it's... It... That's a funny one, and it's a good credit because um, um, I, the way I work, it's the finished article which, ha which has the entire package. Mm. So the sounds which tell a story, and a little bit of music I've got in mind that will tell a story. Um, and when that's not in there, you just see a shot of something. So you're not sure how to, you know, as long as I get the story and the performances down and the shots, that I'm, the rest of it is in my head, but they want to see it before. Yeah you put that in and there's certain VFX and things that need to go in. So they're seeing it with none of the sound design, which is, you know, 50% of a horror film because, you know, that that's where your atmosphere and, you know, and, and some of your direction will come from. Um, no VFX and there were quite a lot in it even. I mean, some of them you know are VFX. So there are a lot of VFX in there which you wouldn't know are VFX because um, they did such a really lovely job. Um, and, and things like, you know, there were houses that needed to be rubbed out in the background and pylons and all sorts of <laughs> to make right. it look like it was it was a, a deserted a deserted island because even if you go that far off and even filming on an actual island there's still it's still look you know you're still going to do all that kind of stuff and that took months to do that and so they were seeing 
lots of little elements which are not there now, which tell a different story and, and shove you off. But I, I, I had confidence and, you know, a good sales agent's able to see lots of films all the time and they should focus on story and performance. Um, and I think, you know, because some of my story wasn't there with sound design and, and I'd explain that, um, the, the response was still positive, but it's nerve wracking to send something which is unfinished out because, like I say, one or two, as, as I've had, will will be really cutting about it. And then they'll probably come back and go, oh, I see what you meant now. I was like, well, it's too, you know, because mm. if only I could have shown you it, but they, they insist on seeing something very early. Um, uh, but the, the good ones um, can definitely see see through it all and, and use their imagination, which is um, which is useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you sometimes maybe create a playlist to accompany it, and so you can be like, "This isn't the soundtrack, but the these kind of speak to the moments." Of yeah, the scene, of the scene kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, um, sometimes I mean the good thing is um, Edwin and Callum who did the sound and music. Um, they they did a little taster, and they also did sound design and, and music for um, a promo trailer that I'd sent out for sales. Um, so they had an they they got an idea of how everything was going to sound um, and the vibe that they were going to give across, and then I'd send a couple of examples as well um uh over i think one of them was like hans zimmer the ring the american ring that he'd scored there was something similar to that and there was a few other bits and bobs um uh that we sent over and said this is this is the direction that we're going with um and so yeah i mean yeah we sent as much as we could just just so that they understood that you know we were and i think that all, all, all really a sales agent to sure also know is at an early stage that you're you're serious and you're going somewhere you know you're dedicated to it and you're going to polish it up uh, the best you can, which, um, I mean, any filmmaker, do, I mean, if, if I had the opportunity now, I'd still be working on it. I mean, that'd be it. But for the next would <laughs> sit there doing all sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's funny you said that because hey, I, I will say a film like this, it definitely speaks on the performances from everyone involved, you know? So, I, I think um, a, a lot of props have to go to Tom Hughes, Greta Sachi, you know, Kate Dickey, um, Greta Wise. But I also kind of feel if you were giving out a supportive, um, a, a, a supporting, you know, actor award, I, I, I feel the sound people need to get that award yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you know what I mean? Like the performances were fantastic, but the sound, oh my God. Like when you, only, you only heard it in stereo because of the, uh, we had a tech issue on the day and I was devastated, but I mean, they, they, and, and I, I've, I've said a few times, I mean, there's, there's always this thing that people say, um, you know, you write a, f a film three times, you write the script, then you, you shoot it, so you're writing it as you shoot it, and then you edit it, so you're rewriting it as you edit it. But with horror, it's four times because you've got sound and music to go in that, and that's so important in a horror. Um, I think more so than most genres, um, because that's a, that's another element you really do need to focus on. And, and every second and every frame of that was, you know, design, and there was a lot of back and forth. Um, but they really did what was great about those guys. I, I, I'm, 
I mean, my job as a director is to explain to, you know, dozens of people who are, who are actually making the film what I want. And if I explain it well, then I'll get it. And um, thankfully, after, you know, 10 years doing commercials, I kind of figured it out, but I do blab on for a long time. So I could see Edwin in Callum's face going, what? You know, and I'm like, well, it's kind of like this. And Have you seen that? And then you put in the light. And I remember Callum once going, what do you, <laughs> I'm like, what do you want? Um, and I'd sent over a, a few things and they said, okay, we, what we're going to do. They, they were amazing. They didn't just jump into sound libraries and things like that. Um, they went and got a ferry to an island somewhere in Dorset and they were uh, recording different engines of ferries. Then they're on this island by themselves doing wind and metal and all sorts of things. And then they're upscaling that and we were doing things like recording things and then playing them into big rooms and recording the playback to put back in the, so they, 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 they were really, really creative and went to town on it. And, um, and yeah, I'm over the moon, really proud of those guys. Uh, it works so well works so well there's i think an issue i have sometimes with you know tv and film right is the i don't know i'm gonna say the condescension right because you get music but it's like guys um you you, if you this is a happy moment the happy music get the happy music or sad yeah. music, or, <laughs> Feel sad now, people. And you're just like, God, I get it. I can get it from their actions. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. need this music to tell me I'm sad. You yeah. know what I mean? And so the ones that really work is where, you know, it, it, the music fits the scene, obviously, but it's not overtly smashing you over the head going, this is sad, but it's just, it ups the tempo. Right, yeah. it feels in sync with what you're seeing visually. It's like synchronized frigging swimming. You know what yeah. I mean? It, it just works in tandem with everything, and so you don't. It's hard to see that separation from one to the other. It just feels like a whole, and that's one thing with this. It really, it really meshed and embedded itself. So then you're seeing things. It's just like, there was, oh my days, that scene where he's, for the, I think the second time he's going up the stairs and I don't like, hey, I don't know the technical terms. I, I think I called, I said, oh, the, the scene where you elongate the stairs scene, <laughs> but the stairs and they just look like, and then the music and everything. And just like, you feel the anxiety of Eric in that moment. And it's just like, oh shit. Yeah. Well, it, it, what was great about the, those guys as well, and I, I said, um, I mean, Christopher Nolan tends to do it a lot with whoever he works with. I think Dunkirk was an example I've shared, where like the sound of the engine or something like that will get integrated into the music. Um, and it's a perfect way of doing things. I think all the creaking of the house, so we wanted it to feel like a ship because um, it's a windy island. And I, I've actually been in a house um, in Wales where you go in and even just the slightest breeze the whole thing had turned into an instrument and it'd be creaking and rocking and whistling. And so that's where that, that came from. And they integrated all that very subtly into the music. So rather than just, yeah, putting up a big sort of orchestra to sort of tell you what that moment is, um, the sound design itself will come in and help with a tone or something. And some creaking metal will actually be what the, is the soundtrack of the music rather than the sound. So you're completely, you, you, you know, it embeds itself into the environment because it's it, the whole brief 
from day one is is uh, a sense of place. Mm. Um, so when you go off that, you know, you come up with 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 new ideas. And it's interesting you mentioned that Vertigo scene because that that's been in um, the character of Eric. I base on somebody that I know and his mother, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and his Vertigo was. Um, it, it comes straight from from that person that I know, and I, I, I and we were. I struggled with it because obviously that that entire staircase is CGI, um, and oh, it, it was really? completely rebuilt. There was um, we, we tried to do it practically and do all sorts of like Hitchcock style trombone shots and you know, mm. um, and um, we weren't really and we had a crane and we couldn't quite figure it. And I said, okay. Well, we need it to, to bend, and then the guys came back with a CGI. Well, the first look, and I was like, Bloody "Yeah, how did it? it did a really, really good job of it." And we didn't put too much of it in the film. It was only just a subtle thing to sort of, you know. Uh, and then we moved on. He's got vertigo, and we realise why he's struggling with heights, and that you know maybe he's tripping, maybe he's not really there. Um, so it's um, that uh, everybody had to come on board to really make that work from the camera to the CGI to the sound and obviously Tom's performance to sort of put it off. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, and I think because it was one of those scenes I struggled with, I think Quentin Tarantino said, if you're struggling with something, just go to town on it and throw, throw everything at it until it works. And we spent a lot of time. <laughs> and then I was really happy once I'd seen that. I was like, okay, yeah, this is going to work. So, so yeah. Yeah, no, no, it it, it really did. It, it like all the different. Mo- I I kind of thought that. Well, I'm I'm interested. When you shot this, did you storyboard the film? Yeah, I I storyboard. Uh, I used to be a storyboard artist before I became uh, before I became a director, which is a great way of getting in because you have to work with directors, you have to learn your stage mm. and, your and everything. Um, so you work close to the directors and DOP, and um, and I, I am very sort of graphic novelly in that sense. I mean, I storyboard. So I think there was about two thousand nine hundred frames I storyboarded um, for this. Um, I did all the all the major scenes I did before we we shot it, and then I would um, go home every night, and then I'd be up until about. 11, 12, um, storyboard in the next day's scenes. And then I'd have to photograph them, uh, scan them in, and then I'd send them to um, study DOP. And I'd send them to Tom, because Tom always liked to know what we do, because Tom likes to sort of block things out. Um, and then we and then we shoot that. But he also knew that I, I had some specific shots. So if he if he got a, um, an idea in advance, he'd know. So, so I just drew everything. Um, and it, and it's great because it, it just makes the day go so so much easier because you just know exactly where you're going to be. Yeah, I mean that makes so much sense because it really felt that there was an economy of motion in everything you saw. Like there was no flab on the film. Everything that you see tells a story, right? It, it tells a story of what happened or the character of someone or the sentiment of that moment. There is nothing in here that just seemed like, oh, it's a throwaway. It's a filler. Like everything was moving the story and your emotions forward. So yeah, that's why I kind of wondered your approach because it's just like, 
how do you do that if you know you turn up and you're just like in your head you're just thinking oh we'll do that scene now or we'll just do that scene it just like man it just seemed like oh this is kind of crazy again when you cerebral things out as well you can then see the film and you can see where where you know things might go wrong or something it's like okay well to fix that we need this prop in and we need that and this is the type moment when that happens and you can just draw it all in so then you've got mm-hmm. a foundation to work from um when you get to shooting it and you know everybody had a slightly different brief so you know i tell tom one thing about the character i tell study the drp something else so he would move things the way you know and, and, and understand what i'd want from that side of things and then chris richmond the production designer and um and all the props guys in the art department would understand something else so they would dress each scene when they see it you know they go in and change the time on the clock or they do something so that there's always a little bit of story somewhere when you look around and explore the screen um, you know, as I do, I mean, I'm, I'm one of those people, if I watch a film a second time, I'm looking at everything else and I'm going, oh, well, yeah. that's, uh, and I'm always looking for a, um, continuity errors. That's like a hobby. <laughs> 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 there was a few in this and I, me and having a heart attack, like there was, I remember there was a mic dip there and we managed to rub it out and things, but we didn't notice this mic dipping in and I'd watched the film about 200 times. And then one day I just sat there watching it on a different screen on, what is that? it was just like loads of you know and there's still one or two in you've got it we, apparently there's a rule and i can't remember what queen called it but you know what after a while you have to leave a couple of your errors in because it's like a traditional thing so there'll still be something i spot further down and some people are watching for the first time spot it straight away because i'm i can't see the woods for the trees focus on everything else but yeah <laughs> So what was the conversation you had with the actors, right? How much time did you spend with them before, you know, you started to film it? Because, again, everyone hit, right? There was no weak performances. There was no, I mean, like, they were good, but not as good as them. Like, everyone brought that same energy to this. And it really, oh my days, it really worked. Is it like there's characters who you, at one point you feel bad for, and then you're like, wait, hold on, what the fuck? And and it's just like your emotions on everyone shift so many times throughout. And they give you all of those different looks. Yeah. Um, I'm just really, really lucky to get my ideal cast. I mean, you know, I remember drawing all the casts down and we went out. We had a list of cast um, to go out uh, to everybody to check availability, see if who's, who's free to do it. And some of the names on there were insane. I was like, we can't afford these people. What on earth is going on? You know, like proper big Hollywood stars. And they were coming back saying they'd love to do it, but can we push it back a month? And can we do this? And can we all this? And I just went, these people are actually injured, having read the script. Definitely. Which was, I'll uh, uh, gossip. I mean, there's a lot of people who would, you know, just not even bother getting back or agents like it's a no or there's a conflict. It was, it was amazing. But um, on, on the top of the list, and particularly like Gemma um, Sykes, the casting director, she, Tom Hughes was there. And I remember day one, she's like, Tom Hughes, Tom Hughes. And I had, I'd only seen her in, in a couple of things, like, I think, uh, I don't watch much TV and does lots of. He did um, Victoria as Prince Albert on ITV and, and he'd done a few bits. And I, I knew of him and I knew his uh, work, but not 
anything like this. So I didn't quite understand where she was coming from. She was really adamant about him. And then she showed me um, an episode of Paula. I think I watched about 10 minutes. So it's like a BBC drama he was in. Um, and I was like, oh, oh my God. Yeah, that's, do you think he'd do it? And then um, he phoned up and, and that was it. And we met up and had a good hour, hour and a half chat at first and then he went through the script and he's like a sponge who just stares at you and uh, whilst you're talking and just laps everything up and then it does come straight out um he doesn't like to rehearse much um at, at all actually he just he does a read through and then just walk through because what he's doing is, is building up what he wants to do and and mm. he, he, try and get it out in the first couple of takes um so rather than start on a wide safely and then go in I would always start in on Tom because he really does, you know, um, build up something and then releases all his emotion um, uh, in those first two takes. So I was barely doing more than two takes because he, he, he nailed it each time. And then we'd go back out to the wide because then he's he knew his um, geography of the set and where he was going then and the wide helps tell the story. But he's one of those actors that... Um, you know, you go into his face and, and he's got so much story behind his eyes. Um, he, he doesn't, you know, it doesn't feel like he's acting. Like, you know, he was really going through through the mill and, and it just sort of like camera sitting on him um, was brilliant. And it's the same, obviously, with Kate Dickey, who's an incredible character actor. And I, I couldn't believe, you know, that we'd, we'd gotten her. Originally, it was going to be a man. Um, and I sat down with um, Gemma and... and we had some amazing names, including like Jared Harris and all this coming up. And I was like, I, don't, I really want to work with these actors, but I don't want them to play Captain Birdseye because that's what a man's going to look like in that suit. You know, <laughs> he's mm. got a patch on me. And, and I just thought, how do we mix it up? And I said, what, what, what about if it's a woman? We don't sexualize it or anything like that at all um, or, or reference um agenda it's just it's just happens to be a woman instead of a man who who drives this skip things like that and uh immediately kate dickey was at the top of the list so i thought oh well we're not going to get kate dickey and then um and then she said yeah and then she phoned me and I, I'm, we must have been on the home phone for about three and a half hours because she had so many ideas about it and she had so many questions about uh, where i was going with it and i was giving each actor their own idea of what um their character should be and people like Greta had quite a difficult job because she had to play the mother in one scene and then a memory of the mother in another scene. And then, um, you know, his imagination. In a, so it was all, um, they, they, but they had a clear brief. And, you know, the, the, Greta uh, Skaki was an absolutely perfect casting, you know, and she's a bit of a legend acting legend um, in her own right. And so to get her, and she also looks a little bit like Tom, so she, you could believe she was his mum. And she went to, she had the, you know, she said, give me a wig, give me, so no one reckoned, you know, give me uh, all the dowdy clothing and everything. And we found that farm to put her on. Um, and, and again, she just went to town on it. And and I was just really, really lucky. And Guy of Eyes, um, I'd known her for years. And she's a really good friend. Uh, and I said to, um, uh, Gemma, I said, oh, I want Gaia to play this. So, oh, you're not going to get Gaia. She's like really busy. And like, oh, well, actually, she's a friend of mine. <laughs> and, she did, she, and she did. She jumped on a plane and did it. And um, that role was essential because on the face of it, you think, okay, well, she, she's a villain and she's done all sorts of, you know, and, and 
Um, it, like his mum says, you know, she's been having affairs and she's been doing all sorts of stuff. But that's your assumption because that's just his mother, his mother's yeah, opinion, yeah. as his mother talking, and that's his paranoia talking. We never actually meet his wife in real life. She's always a memory or, a, you know, um, something else. So she had a really interesting role. She's playing one something really nice one minute, something really horrible the next. Um, and then that gives, you know, um, costume and makeup, all sorts of different things to play with. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm just really, really lucky with the cast. And, of course, the crew. I mean, you know, it's always a cliche to say, oh, it's great and we were a family. But when you're stuck on an island with each other for five weeks and then, you know, in a cold studio <laughs> in Glasgow in middle of winter and you know and, and storms and all sorts of stuff you, you really do get uh, and and they were just um they were they were so bloody good and i worked with a lot of crews i really really good crews um uh, over the years but um they all went to town and, and they owned their own departments they really did enjoy it and come back with lots of ideas and things so what you know for the budget we had um and which we ran out of it very quickly um, it looks like it, you know, we spent three times the amount on it because everybody just they brought their A game and it was great. What happened? What happened? Out out of oh, well, yeah, everybody gets very angry, including me. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was it was a nightmare. I mean, it really, you know, it was a tough time because I think the production um, team had, well, they, they changed several times. Um, and they hadn't anticipated all the, you know, the contingencies needed to film on an island and all that kind of So, you know, as a director, I'm like, okay, can I have X, Y, and Z? And, and a producer will say, no, you can't. You can have this, X, you know. Um, but from their initial budget, they're like, yeah, no, this is all fine, as long as nothing goes wrong. And then mm. you, you throw in an island and a few hurricane, tail end of a hurricane and all sorts of horrible things. And before you know it, but we get to the last week and you've got no money left. You've got all, all your post-production budgets <laughs> Uh -huh. And it's 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 uh, it's like oh god, but we managed to get through um, purely off the you know just the the the, the, crew, the crew really wanted to you know finish it as well, so we we you know we figured it out, and it was um, they're the ones who, who got it done um, with me, um, and then you know I, I went off and found um, some budget um, from somebody I knew for, to finish the post um, as a loan, so. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was, I think it was just a, a challenge. Now, everyone, you know, everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. <laughs> but, it, I mean, we knew we knew that was going to happen when we, we decided we we're going to go to an island in Scotland in the middle of winter, you know, <laughs> mm. in, in, a, in an area that um, uh, the only thing that's been filmed around that part of the island Mall is um, wildlife documentaries because it's so cut off. There's tiny little bridges. You can't get trucks or anything over. So you've got to run things over bit by bit, you know, and the, the base is miles away and you can't have a toilet or you can't have a this and you've got to, you know, if anyone wants a toilet, there was a little mini bus that did a toilet run. Um, there's no tree you can go behind around <laughs> or a rock. It was uh, very barren um, and cold. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you, you, at the end of the day, you, I know everyone should be really, really proud because, I mean, and a lot of people haven't seen it, a lot of the crew only Tom and Kate have seen the film, so Greta and Guy are yet to see it, um, and 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 all the crew have yet to see it. So, um, but I know they've seen the trailer and they're all quite excited. Oh, Matt! Like watching it, you wouldn't even imagine. 
that there was budget issues or anything like that. Like it, it doesn't, and it doesn't look like it's a low budget indie flick. It looks like just a big ass production. It's that quality that you know we're seeing on the screen. It's great. It's great. Like I will say, right? There was only one thing I had. I was like, oh, God damn it. Like, why are they doing this to me? Oh, and, no. and that is, um, I, I wasn't quite sure how you, what you, how to refer to it. I think I, I called it like um, title cards. It like in between. Oh, the chapters. Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Right. Because it's just tiny writing. It's a huge screen. <laughs> it's tiny writing in the middle. And I couldn't see what it said. And I wanted to know what it said. Oh, and I'm just funny. like, yeah, yeah. Damn it. Um, funny, um, I know we spoke just before we came on to do it. Um, that was one of those things where we changed the size of it and even the font and we were going to handwrite it and do all sorts of things. And we we went ended up doing it a hundred times. And I think probably... Part of that is because when we were doing it, I was sitting in front of a big screen and literally closer than a front row going, this is great, <laughs> without going all the way back. And then weirdly, it, it changed size again on my computer screen, right, and then I watched on my telly, it was, t it was tiny, and then we watched it somewhere else, and it was all right. Um, and and we, that was something I put in the script at a really, really early stage, these chapters of, you know, it was like his, that's why it's got date on it, uh, January something, and then it's got a little title, as if he's writing it in his journal, or or is it his journal, is it somebody else's? Um, it's the day and the, um, so, um, yeah, I mean, we did try one where it was massive, and then <laughs> it was, it was a shock when it came on screen. I'm like, yeah, it, <laughs> so it was it was finding that happy medium. Um, <laughs> but um, I think when it comes to subtitling, we're going to have to write them in every other language anyway, massive at the bottom. Um, so, uh, so that'll be the opportunity to change, <laughs> to make it a bit. There's also a fashion there to make things like that really big. Um, I think, oh, we, we did try it, and then it was... Um, it was really in your face. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say I am basically blind. So I, I can't even see. I sit in the front row to, to be able to see a film. And I will always miss those physical cues. You know, yeah. sometimes when someone turns around and they've got a scowl on their face, I'd be like, Oh, why is that person shooting at them? And it was just like, yeah. like missed the visual, like fuck you, yeah. you know what I mean, and all of this. So I can't see subtitles, and so yeah, those look. They, I imagine, no one else. I, I didn't hear anyone else in the screen, like ugh, you know what I mean, moan about that thing. But it's just, yeah, I couldn't see it, and it's just a frustration I always have because I'm just like, oh, it's a big screen. Can't we just make this stuff bigger? <laughs> yeah yeah no it's, it's an interesting point um because again i mean yeah i mean i i would do the same thing but even my you know my mother and my grandmother and all that they've got they, they pretend they don't and they're like what <laughs> i'm like okay fine yeah i mean i i've um i i because I, I used to joke about all these you get some independent films that have done the um credits so small Oh that, my gosh! Yeah, that, 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 um, you, you really look at, it and it's all very nicely designed. And don't get me wrong; it's beautiful if it's in a little magazine lab. But when you really want to read it, 
Uh, and I think we did start, start off with something really tiny and um, and Gwen, who was doing the online, um, helping with the online, the colorist, was just like, I, I can't read that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we play them all up again and, and again came down to Happy Medium. But it's, um, yeah, I mean, the, the main title we made pretty big, Shep. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I was able to work that one out. <laughs> that was that was fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what you're watching when that comes up. <laughs> um, and even with the newspaper, when he's looking through the newspaper and he sees the Jodab yeah. advert, I couldn't see the advert, but I could fathom what was going on. Right. So yeah, that was a funny. You can fathom what's happening with you know, the way the actors and actresses are, are, are acting on the screen, you can work around a lot of that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah, I think it's, um, that. I mean, that's an important point as well. I mean, you know, everyone was briefed. And I call it the the um, uh, the Netflix problem that uh, we, we spoke about before, where if you're watching something on Netflix and you're making a cup of tea or you're, you're looking at your phone, you're going to miss a moment which is really, really important. So mm. everyone need, you know, the editor and everyone, you know, you have to be trying keep momentum on, on an idea all the way through and, and referencing it in a performance or, um, uh, you know, some dialogue so that everyone can catch up because it is one of those films that if you don't do that and you miss a second early on, you're like, what, what's he doing here? What, and, uh, why is that? Who's is that dog? You know, it's, 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 it's something that, so it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's interesting. And, and with that shot of, um, the advert in the paper, we, we, we zoomed right in and it still looked really tiny. I'm really rubbish at reading those, um, things anyway. I mean, cause it, you know, we pay for such a small, tiny little bit of a, a piece of paper, um, to put an ad in, um, uh, but yeah, um, we we got away again when when it comes to subtitling, there'll, there'll need to be a lot of explanation in that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I so I think um, just a few things before I I let you go because I I, know, I appreciate you giving me this time on a Sunday. Um, no, no, it's time for it. <laughs> but I think we've. It, I don't want to give anything away, but the the kind of the thing that spurs Eric to go where he's gone, right? This whole kind of thing that's haunting him. Mm. Like we never really, I think, find out what is true and what's not, which is very interesting, I feel. And And even there's one suggestion of what happened that we kind of see towards the end of the film, right? Yeah. I have to admit, when I saw that, I was a bit like, I mean, it's hard to blame him, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we, we see how, you know, the vertigo affects him and all of that throughout the film. So it's a bit like, oh, come on. That, that, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a bit shitty exactly. what happened, but can we, but, but even that, you were like, but is that true? And, it, yeah. and it's like, it really plays with you as you're watching it. You're like, huh, do I like this dude? Like, what is true and what's not? Like, when you're filming this, right? And also when you're telling the actors and everything like that, how much do you explain what really happened? Like, what 
you yeah, feel yeah. the story really is, or do you keep it, as you said, you tell different people different things. So do you tell like people, no, no, that, that person's evil. And then the other one, no, that person's a good guy. You know what I mean? So everyone's playing like they think they yeah. know, but they don't know. Yeah, exactly. Well, as mentioned before, um, I did give Tom one angle. Um, this is this is your reality. Then Kate Dickey, I gave her one, and um, and the same with Gaia and Greta. They had their own um, brief, and they were all slightly different to one another. So depending on who you follow and who you want to listen to and who you want to believe. Um, and the same again with the crew, with uh, study of the DOP. I'll tell him, you know, this is, you know, this has got to be creepy, even though he doesn't know. Tom isn't acting it as if it's creepy. So right. and then the production design will start doing things and adding in props, and the lighting will change and things like that. Um, because I find well, something's creepier when you take all the exposition out of it, and there's no explanation, there's no clear run. Um, and you've just thrown, jumped into uh, jumped into the story, um, and the less you know, uh, the more paranoid you become. And I think um, you know, I, I remember showing um, screening to somebody, and they were so excited at the end, but also really angry with me because they were like, "Okay, so is he dead, or is he mad, or is he actually gone to that island? It's not that she's real, and she's like that, or, or what's going on?" Um, and I said, "Well, you know, and I had written." several different endings which would explain each point but you remove that and then you allow an audience to because that's the whole point of the film you know you you leave and then you discuss theories about it because mm. you know, in these kind of things it, it, the film itself is all about running away from guilt but it does he really need to be guilty about what happened because uh, or, or is he you know what is he really running away from um you know, did he have an affair? There's all sorts of different ideas and theories you come out. But if it's because he's suffering um, depression and, you know, and he, and he tries to take his life near the beginning of the film and he can't. Um, I remember a time I'd suffered from uh, moderate depression. Um, I'd um, and I didn't feel depressed at the time as a financial thing. And, and the doctor said, oh, well, you know, you need to take these tablets. So I was like, okay, fine. So I went away for about three, four weeks on these tablets, don't know what they were, and I became really paranoid. I remember walking down um, Clapham High Street and um, a police siren went off right next to me. You know, they always make you jump anyway. And yeah. I, I'd jump, but it was like the feeling like, oh, my God, they've caught me. I'm like, hold on a minute, I haven't done anything. <laughs> but I was completely like, and, and I remember holding on to that feeling and going, that's interesting because um, – and, and I threw those tablets away in the bin, and I, I, was, I was all right after that. And you shouldn't do that. You're supposed to come off, um, come off them gently. And um, but I was like, the, of all that entire experience, like, that that I'll hold on to, and I'm going to put it in Shepherd because um, he's running away from guilt. And then it, that gave me the um, the whole angle um, and the background for his wife and and that. But then also the question of, well, actually, did he do anything wrong or didn't he? Um, and then when you take away all the explanations, which Stanley Kubrick did that with The Shining. So, you know, his original script was full of explanations and Jack would find um, the history of the hotel downstairs in a big red book with all newspaper cuttings and that would set the background for the hotel. And there was all sorts of explanation in the original Shining script. And then the final film, he just cut it all out. 
So you just have a guy who's gone mad there and then you have that photo at the end and you're like, what, mm. you know, was he there? Was it, is this just like, you know, is that just some mad sort of, uh, but that's what makes that film creepy. It's not a jump, jumpy slasher or anything like that. It's just a completely creepy tone. Um, yeah. and that, obviously that, that approach was, um, was inspiration for, for my approach to, to doing this. Oh no, it, it was great. I loved the ending. I loved the ending because it really just because you're already like you're already just like yo, what is going on? And then with the way it ends, you're like, fuck. It's <laughs> kind of like at the end of Inception, you're like, did, did it stop? Did it fall? Did it, did it spin it? Like, was that? Ah. And then people tell you, be like, no, that's, I saw it stop. If you just at the very, you stop, no, it's still spinning. And, it's just, and your ending, it's kind of like that. It really yeah. makes you think. It just fucks with you. It's great. Yeah. It's, and again, if I think it's thanks to people like Christopher Nolan and so, who, who can do that. And then it opens the door to um, filmmakers being able to make films like that again, because they've sort of allowed audiences to sort of go away and question things. Whereas beforehand, if I'd have done it, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, they'd be like, what? You know, because like, this isn't linear enough and to the point. Oh, yeah. You needed a definitive ending. Right. Yeah, yeah. This person is good. This person is bad. This is what happens. Yeah, exactly. And um, and yeah, what's great is you know things are opening up a lot now. More now, you've got um, some really really good um, horror directors coming out of nowhere, making things like you know, if you got Ari Aster and films like Hereditary and Midsummer, that would have been a really difficult film to make ten, even ten years ago. Yeah. Um, because people would be like, they weren't quite ready for it. But um, now audiences seem to want something that they're able to explore more um, on a more intellectual level rather than just sort of, you know, um, your, your straight narrative slash and, and, and jump and run. Um, you know, you, you need to offer a bit more. And, and, and I think that's what, probably why it's taken so long to get Shepard off the ground because it's always, it's always had that, that, you know, ambiguous ending. And um, so, it's, yeah, I think it's thanks to those guys that I was able to make. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm glad you did, man. Um, just before I let you go, right, I, I don't know if this is true because, you know, a lot of things are on the internet that are not true, right? Believe it or not. But um, I, I think it was on Wikipedia I saw, right? It said something that um, the, I, like the story behind this is... Like you, you took it from a real story, which is also the impetus of the lighthouse. Yeah, is that that is that is true? Um, I couldn't believe um, my ears when because Robert Eggers made the lighthouse. Uh, his first film was The Witch, which also starred Kate Dickey, and I remember chatting away. <laughs> oh no! And I, I remember her chatting away, and, and I was like, she said, "Oh, you know, where's the inspiration?" I said, "Well." I'm, I'm, I grew up in Wales, and um, we were we grew up with the story of the Smalls Lighthouse, and two guys went mad on the island, and one died, and you know, and there's all sorts of you know, it's the first time someone had sent a, a, a message in a bottle to for help, and all sorts of stuff because there is on a tiny little island off the coast of Wales, and uh, it's, it's a famous Welsh story, but 
never thought anyone would make a film about it. And and when I wrote Shepherd, it was oh, that that basis of isolation. Oh, so that was the starting point, and that's where the lighthouse comes from in the film. And then it becomes a metaphor for something else. And you know, so I've I've changed the job. I've got rid of the other guy and replaced him with a dog, and I've done something entirely different. But it was that was the original spark. And I remember. We we're chatting away in the woods um, when we we're filming a dream sequence, and Kate Dickey said, "Oh yeah, Robert's making a film about that." I'm like, "What?" And I had a complete <laughs> meltdown. Going, what? Now he's, he's got big budget to write, and um, but completely different film. But I, I also at the same time, I was really excited because, um, and he was going to do, you know, even though he said it in America or whatever, it, it was much closer to the actual. Um, the actual story of, uh, but uh, I took, I took, definitely took inspiration from it because I just thought it was great. But, um, but yeah, I went down the uh, the the sheep route. <laughs> yeah, co a completely different film, but it is interesting, right? Because I think sometimes you have those moments where similar films come out around the same time. Like we had those two Robin Hood films come out, but oh, yeah. Prince of Thieves was the one that really blew. Yeah. Um, oh god, I think there was one time there was two Snow White films, and That's people and, and people often think, Oh, can't believe they copied, and it's just like, No, people make this shit in isolation. It's yeah, not yeah. like, Wait, Robert Eggers is making, I'll show him. Oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly, I couldn't believe it. I was like, Oh, no, but um, thankfully, you know, obviously, he, he's he's and he's a brilliant director, um, and his dialogue that he writes—I mean, it was completely insane and such a such an enjoyable film. But um, obviously, I'd, I'd gone a completely different route, and it's good. This 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 film helped me find my voice, and you know, being able to translate atmosphere into visuals and and, and something three dimensional—that um, that was that was always my goal and my, my task. And and some directors will, you know really work with actors on dialogue and all sorts of sort of drama and things like that. And I, I like to sort of design something which is, is much more of a slow burning, um, complete package from, from the sound to the visuals to the film and everything. It's, it, it's, um, and now I understand myself a lot more, um, as a director, uh, instead of, you know, I mean, before the, before this, I was doing Vaseline commercials and whiskey <laughs> and, uh, 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 makeup to all sorts of stuff so um you know i couldn't quite find my voice doing those. yeah <laughs> uh, this, this, i'm not sure an elongated stair scene <laughs> work when you're yeah. selling vaseline <laughs> <laughs> yeah it might, might have the opposite effect <laughs> for the intention but um but yeah it's it's it, it, i think that's what's what's lovely is is i can see myself and i can see my voice and you know, I'm not. I'm not ripping anyone off, or I'm not trying to be someone. It, you know, it is very much um, me, and I think that's um, that's the proudest thing I can take away from it. Yeah. So, has it given you like? There's, I feel that yeah, you've got this confidence now, right? So, has like making this? Did it kind of think give you an idea of where to go next, or if not, where to go next? but things you want to push more be like, Oh, it really worked when we did this. I want to try this on a larger scale or, Oh, we couldn't do this to, to how I wanted it on this film, but on the next one, I really want to push this idea. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, a lot of the other things that I've written, I've written about 12 different things over the years. You know, whilst you're waiting for one thing to get, you may as well jump on and start writing another one. And yeah. um, everything else has got much more drama and characters into it. And, and I think the reason we really want to push this is because of its simplicity. One guy, Island, running away from something, goes mad. Um, uh, and the beauty and the cleanliness of that has, has allowed me to really focus on all the individual elements um, uh, much more sharply. So it's given me a lot more confidence to go forward and, you know, I'll throw a few more actors in this time and I'll have, um, you know, a few more locations rather than this island. And, and um, uh, yeah, I mean, there are, there are some things I've written where um, I, I've looked at it and, I, and, and when I had the opportunity to make this and, and it was almost like it wasn't a blank check, but it was, um, I'd made a deal when I was making this zombie film um, with the producer that, you know, okay, um, I can't really direct another script like this, but I've got a bunch of scripts. He says, okay, we'll tell you what, we'll, we'll push aside. It's, instead of my fee for the zombie film, we'll push it um, aside the next project and we'll make one of your scripts. So I was uh, had to make a decision. And Shepard was the one that definitely go, A, it was me first, but B, it was the um, the simplest. And, and in a way, probably the most complicated to make just because of the practicalities of it. And you really did have to nail the atmosphere and, and get all that across. So it was one of the easiest, but also one of the hardest things that um, I had on my list of things to make. So it's, yeah, I mean, it, it set the foundation for everything else I want to do. It's, it's going to make everything else easier. But there were other scripts that I read and I thought if I get one element of this wrong, um, the whole thing will fall under the weight of it. So whereas now I'm like, right, now I've done Shepard and I've, I've learned X, Y, and Z, I'll be able to approach um, all those scripts now with a lot more confidence. So, so yeah. Um, well, yeah, Shepard is a great calling card, man. It's a great calling card. Um, so let's let the people know when they can watch it because – Yes, it, it, it is showing on Friday, right? So uh, it premieres on the 14th of October at the yeah. London Film Festival, and then it shows again um, midday. Uh, I feel, believe it's 2.45 on the Friday the 15th. But after that, I bet, is it the 5th of November it hits cinemas? Yeah, so officially they've got the 5th of November. I think they were trying to push back a week because of Eternals and Spencer and all these films coming out, and there was a bit of breathing space, but whether that will happen or not, I'm not sure. But at the moment, it's the, it's definitely the 5th, um, and it's got a few film festivals, and it's got a few um, um, specials, Q&A specials um, before that as well for Halloween and whatnot coming up. But um, I'll, I'll, I'll let those different cinemas around the country announce that. Um, and I'm just waiting to hear, at the moment we're, we're talking with distributors um, in the US, we're just negotiating a contract there, but it'll be theatrical over there at some point um, soon after. So it's, um, yeah, I mean, right in the middle of it all now and, and not exactly sure um, where it'll be, but I know it's going to be everywhere, which is amazing. Um, you know, I, I thought I might be able to get it on the horror channel at 3am if I was lucky. So I'm really lucky. <laughs> 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 it's, it's hey, it, the, the, yeah, man, this, like, and it is something that, you know, like you worry because we only saw the, uh, you know, the, the HD version, but hey, yeah. if that is just anything to go by, right, that in itself was incredible. 
So I don't even know what that the super duper cut will feel <laughs> like because yeah, what we saw was just it blew you away. So um, yeah, I oh, think people have got a treat in store. Thank you very much. That's very kind. Ah, no worries, man. Um, how can people follow what you do? Um, well, on Instagram and Twitter, I'm uh, Russ Owen. Um, so I, I jumped on board with those two things really early, so I was allowed a simple name. <laughs> numbers or anything after it. Um, yeah, and, and I, always, I always put information of, of what I'm up to and where the film is there and what's coming next. And, um, and also, uh, I think this week I'm, I'm filming um, an advert for a shopping centre in the West Midlands, so I'm sure there'll be a story about that up there as well. Nice, nice. Um, it makes all sorts. Yeah, well, well, we'll see if you uh, are nicer to dogs in that. <laughs> dogs that walk around that side. They're, always, they're very nice, yeah. Those dogs uh, have got an easier time of it. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Russell, thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, it, it, honestly, it was really good to watch your film. Um, so, yeah, I, I hope that everyone at the London Film Festival enjoys it. And then everyone. Hey, if you didn't go, if you didn't get a chance to see it there, 5th of November, mark it down, go watch it in the cinema because you will not be disappointed. Oh, thank you very much. All right. And um, come back when you've got another project to talk about. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, hopefully uh, trying to get something off the ground to start next year. So uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll keep you updated. Ah, oh, fantastic, man. Fantastic. All right, Russell, you take care. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Right, 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 people. So that's it. We are now done. Boom. Hope you enjoyed this one, people. It's been a great day. Had some great coverage, people. So all films you should definitely check out. If you haven't checked out part one yet, Go do that. We've got a couple of things there for you. But, um, yeah, this one, man, you mean, Russell, hey, he, he was kind enough to give me his time on a Sunday, right? We, we knocked that one out. I didn't know I was going to get an hour, but, yo, he, he hit me with that. Mad respect. People, go check out the film because it truly is extremely good. It really is. You know what I mean? If, if, if I honestly don't love something, I ain't going to pretend I do. You know what I mean? So when I tell you that I really, really dug something, yo, that's some legit shit. All right? So people, um, go, you know, Russell's socials are in the notes. So go follow Russell. Check out all the stuff he's doing. Um, and hopefully we'll have him back to talk about that next project. All right? So, people, hope you've enjoyed this one. Share it with all your peoples, okay? And we will be back tomorrow on day 10. Boy, we're drawing to a close, people. But still, some more good shit for you to come, all right?